read an article this week that said um, lies we were told as children and it was actually written it was, a, it was a series of quotes from people who were told lies from their parents and some of the lies that they were told and I thought it was pretty interesting I, I wanted to share some of them with you one person wrote my grandma would point at the armored money trucks outside of stores and tell me that those are the trucks to take misbehaving children away my mom used to tell my sisters that the barred-up closed stores in the mall were mall jail, and that's where they put the bad kids who would then turn into mannequins. You know, some of these were, had to have been pretty traumatic as children. <laughs> I, was, I was told every person gets 10,000 words per month. If you reach the limit, you couldn't physically speak until the new month began. All my dad had to say was, careful, you're already at 9,000 words, and it would shut me right up. My dad told me when I was really little that graveyards were just people farms. Here's my favorite. I wish I'd have known this because I probably would have used it. My dad always told me he was terrified of mice and rats so we couldn't go to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> if you've ever had their pizza, you understand why you might be tempted to use that. But you know, the... The, the person that I lie to the most is me. The person that you lie to the most is you. Probably one of the most hated possessions in most of our homes is the bathroom scale. I, I, we, we do everything we can to manipulate the results. We take off our shoes. We strip down naked even before we eat toast in the morning because we don't want the weight of the toast. We get on the scale, and then because we think, well, the doctor's office must be more accurate, we go ahead and take five pounds off of whatever it says just for good measure. Now, you, you look at me, but you do the same. With life, we do the same thing. When it comes to our life, we don't want our life to be put on the scale because it'll reveal the truth about us, not what we hope to be true or think is true. It actually tells us the truth. We find out that there actually might be sin that is weighing us down. And so we find it's just easier not to get on the scale than to know the truth about ourselves. Christian ethicists, dealing with ethics, They've battled with the idea, is it ever acceptable? Is it ever morally acceptable to tell a lie in extreme circumstances? And here's the examples that they struggle with. Rahab was hiding the spies, and the king's men show up and want to know where the Jewish spies are, and she lied to them in order to save the spies' lives. Or back in a more, more current example, back in Nazi Germany, many Germans would hide Jews in their attic or in their basement, and the Gestapo would show up and be looking for Jews, and they would say that none of them were in their house. And, and so ethicists wrestle with the idea, is, would, would it be morally acceptable to lie in those circumstances? Do you know why the Bible puts so much emphasis on telling the truth? Because truthfulness is an attribute of God. It's part of who God is. Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, nor son of man that he should repent. 
Has he said and will he not do? In other words, will he not keep his word? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus didn't say, I speak truth. I tell truth. He said, I am truth. We're in a series of messages that I've entitled Potty Mouth. Jesus said it wasn't what goes into a man that defiles him. In other words, not what we eat, but it's what comes out of a man, that which we speak, that defiles us. And so we've been talking about different ways that our speech can defile us. Last week we talked about gossiping. I think you probably have already figured out what today's topic is. The title of the sermon is God on Lying. What are God's thoughts? online there are a lot of texts i could use and we'll use several in the sermon but probably the most obvious text to use is in the ten commandments in exodus chapter 20 verse 16 we find that commandment number nine deals specifically with truth telling invite you to stand to honor the reading of god's word is i'll be reading this one verse god is giving the ten commandments to moses to then pass on to the people the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. In other words, you shall not lie against your neighbor. God bless the reading of his word. Go ahead and be seated. If you have your little outline there that came with your connection card, I want you to go ahead and take that out. Looks like a lot of blanks, but we actually uh, finished up a little early last service, and so I'm confident we'll do it again this service. The first thing is the obvious thing is the root of lying. Where does lying come from? And I think there's an easy answer. In fact, I know there's an easy answer because Jesus gives us the answer in John chapter 8, verse 44. He clears up who the author of lies are. He's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He is a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Now look at this, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Did, did you catch why Satan lies? Because there's no truth in him. Nothing he tells us is going to be true. He is rotten to the core he's the greatest liar and he's the world's first liar in fact i was thinking about his lies that he tells us today and they really haven't changed much but one of the biggest lies we've bought into in the american church is that god wants us to be happy i can't find that in a chapter and verse now god wants us to have joy but joy is Peace with God in the midst of troubling circumstances. That's what joy is. That's when you can have faith in God even though your circumstances aren't necessarily good. Happiness is rooted in the word happen. And, and, and so what happens to you, not everything. Anybody here had anything bad happen to you ever? You weren't real happy about it, were you? But, but we, we think that de the devil tells us God wants you to be happy. And when we're not happy, we blame it on God and say God's holding out on us another lie the devil tells a lot of folks today is wait to be saved you've got plenty of time you can get saved later i believe there'll be a lot of people in hell who believe that lie and will say man i thought i had a lot of time to be saved 
What is it Satan lies about? Anything and everything. In fact, the scripture records three times that Satan speaks, and all three times he lies. All three times he lies. The first one's Genesis 3. Of course, we know that he meets up with Eve and says, did God say you can't touch any tree of the garden? She says, no, no, no. God says, you know, we can't touch or eat. We can't eat or touch of this tree. And God didn't say anything about touching it. She's just confused now. And, and, and she says, God says, if we do, we'll die. And Satan says, you'll not die. He's lying. God was talking about spiritual death. And when they ate, they spiritually died. He says, you'll not die. God's holding out on you. God doesn't want you to be like him. And so he lied. Second instance that Satan speaks is in the book of Job. And this time, he lies to God. You know, Job chapter 1, he has that conversation about Job. And the Bible says there's no one on earth more righteous than Job, who fears God, shuns evil. And Satan says the only reason Job does that is because you bless him. You take away all of your protection and all of the good stuff around Job, and he will curse you. God knew it was a lie. So he said, fine, you can do whatever you want to Job, just don't kill him. And the third time that Satan speaks is in the wilderness. When Jesus has been baptized, and the scripture says he goes out into the wilderness for 40 days, Satan shows up and tempts him with three different temptations and all three times, Jesus answered the same way. Scripture. He answers with Scripture. One of the lies was, you don't need to go to the cross. There are other ways for you to have your kingdom. Jesus knew that was a lie. So what is Satan's response? He used his family. If Satan couldn't get Jesus to... To believe the lie, he was going to use his family. Now, you say, use his family? Hold on. I, I thought it was the Jews who crucified, were responsible for the crucifixion of Jesus. They were. Some of them. But Jesus said in John 8, they were of their father, the devil. Listen to me, friend. There are only two spiritual families here. And every, every single one of us is in one of those two families. Either God is your father or the devil is your father. And if you think you're riding the fence between the two, I can tell you you're not. The devil is your father. Because you know if God is your spiritual father, if you've been born again, if you've experienced that new birth experience. And so Matthew 26, 59, the chief priests, the elders, and the council sought testimony against Jesus to put him to death. Satan uses lies to get the Son of God crucified. You know, the two false witnesses come forward and they lie about Jesus and the scribes and Pharisees know they're lying, but they're like, hey, that's all we need. And they take him to the cross. They knew this ninth commandment, but they chose to ignore it and to break it. So the root of lies is the devil. Let's talk about the range of lies. The range of lies. The early church father, Augustine, said there were eight categories of lies now i wouldn't call mark twain a church father but he said there's 200 categories of lies i don't know how many categories of lies there are but i just want to point out six of them to you real quickly number one are what i call cruel lies cruel lies are motivated by anger they're, they're motivated by revenge we lie because we get mad and 
I don't get mad, I get even. And so we will lie on somebody in order to get even. Politicians do this all the time. You know how to tell if a politician's lying? <laughs> You're moving his mouth, right? I mean, it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you are on, they lie about folks on the other side. To, they distort the truth in order to destroy the reputation. We've seen that play out in recent days. Cruel lies. The second one is cowardly lies. This is lying to avoid the consequences. I remember when I was a kid that the green phantom ate a lot of food at our house. See, the green phantom, what are you talking about? Well, there were three of us, and food would disappear, and my parents would say, okay, who ate it? Not me, not me, and not me. And so, obviously, the green phantom, they would laugh about he must have ate it now one of us at least one of us was lying a cowardly lie because we didn't want to face the consequences of our actions another cowardly lie is to escape punishment these four boys used to ride to high school together and they were late one day because they they were goofing off and they came in and the teacher says man you missed the quiz today and it's a significant part of your grade this week but i'm feeling generous i'm going to I'm, I'm going to let you take the test. Now, they didn't really have a flat tire. They were lying to her about that. And so she said, I'm going to let you retake the quiz. And she put them in the four corners of the room, and she says, there's only one question on the quiz. Which tire was flat? <laughs> Cowardly lies to escape punishment. Adam did this. This woman put it on Eve. Then he put it on God, this woman that you gave me, she made me eat. Adults, sometimes we do this. We'll be in a group or in a crowd or we'll be at work or at school and somebody will ask us what we believe about something and we won't come out and tell the person what we actually believe because we're afraid of the repercussion, afraid that, that maybe they won't like us or think ill of us because we have that view and so we lie. The third type is conceited lies. This is motivated by somebody's insecurity. Exaggeration and lying are first cousins. Folks will say, well, I, you know, I wasn't lying. I was just exaggerating. Well, they're first cousins. It's basically a semantics, okay? We lie to impress people or we name drop and say, you know, I can talk to so-and-so and we don't even know so-and-so, but we act like we do. 2009, I read this, this this week about this guy, Antoine B. Womack. Put his picture up there because I want you to see him. I'd never read his story, but in 2009, he ran for a seat on the Birmingham Board of Education. Now, it's important to understand, he ran for a Board of Education seat. When he was interviewed, as they interviewed all the candidates, he said he was 23 years old, had graduated from West End High School in Birmingham, and had a Bachelor of Childhood Education from Alabama A&M. With a little bit of research, they found out that Antoine Womack was not 23, he was 21. He had not graduated from high school, he had dropped out, and he had never sat in a college class in his life. It was all not true. And here's, here's what he told the Birmingham News. My campaign is not based on a foundation of lies. Really. He says, my values are not lies. It's just that the information I provided to people is false. 
That's conceited lies. That's exaggerating because of insecurity. And get this, 117 people voted for him. Out of five candidates, he came in fourth. What I want to know is how bad was the fifth candidate for this guy to beat him? That's an example of conceited lies. Calculated lies is the fourth one. This is designed to manipulate people, to get what you want. You say whatever you need to get whatever you want from that person. Those are calculated lies. Some are convenient lies. Convenient lies. You're lying for convenience sake. Sometimes it's easier to lie than it is to tell the truth. You say, well, I've never conveniently lied. Well, if you're a parent... When your children were small and they were in that asking question stage and it was one question after another, did you ever find it easier just to lie than to go into the long explanation of the truth? They're four or five. Where do babies come from? We conveniently lie. <laughs> the stork. You know, we, we, we don't want to go into the biological explanation of how babies come and so we conveniently lie to so that we don't have to explain. The boy asked his mom, said, Mom, what's a lie? She said, it's an abomination to the Lord and an ever-present help in time of trouble. <laughs> now, I think she mixed two verses together that don't necessarily go together there. Another lie is condemning lies. Condemning lies. This is motivated by pride. This is living a lie. Judas Iscariot lived a lie. In other words, on the outside, he looked like one of the twelve, but on the inside, he was anything but. Jesus said in John 6, 70, then Jesus replied, have I not chosen you, the twelve, yet one of you is the devil? Jesus didn't say one of you is being manipulated by the devil, being used by the devil. Jesus said one of you is the devil. In other words, that's his spiritual heritage. How can you spend three, three and a half years seeing every single event that the Gospels record and not be a disciple of Jesus? I mean, he was one of the 12. Where Jesus slept, he slept. Where Jesus ate, he ate. Saw everything. And yet he didn't believe. You know what that tells me? That unbelief is not intellectual. There are a lot of folks you know that say, you know, I just can't get my mind around the concept of God. And so intellectually, they try to deny God. Judas shows us it is not intellectual because he had all of the evidence he needed. Denying God is a choice. Judas made a choice not to believe. Romans 1 says there's all the evidence anybody needs in creation. So people who say they have an intellectual problem accepting God, it's not intellectual at all. It's simply a matter of choice in the end judas died and died lost i believe and is in hell today all because of pride because he got on he failed to get on his knees and repent failed to admit his need for jesus that, that he was a sinner a sinner um you know i think there's a lot of folks in hell that have baptismal certificates church membership and giving records they have it all but matthew 7 22 comes into play where jesus says depart from me you doers of iniquity i never knew you in verse 21, they said, Lord, we cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. I mean, they were orthodox. And he doesn't say you lost your salvation. He says, I never knew you. They were doing those things for pride and not because of faith. Third, let's talk about representative lies. We've talked about the categories. Now let's get specific and name a few. 
The first one we'll not spend a lot of time on because we talked about it last week, and that's gossiping. Gossiping. The Bible calls it tail-bearing. Exodus 23, verse 1. You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. Should have asked you this last week, but I'm going to ask it to you this week. If you're one of those people and you would say to me, Pastor, I don't know why people bring their gossip to me. I mean, it, it, it just seems like everywhere I turn, folks are coming to me with their gossip. That's real easy to answer. They bring it to you because you listen. All you have to do is one time say, whoa, I don't want to hear that. Guess what? They won't come to you anymore. They'll find somebody else who'll listen to them. We, we shouldn't even listen to that kind of stuff. Anybody that'll gossip to you will gossip about you. Second category, not just gossip, but flattery. Flattery, it's defined as insincere praise. It's the idea of saying something to your face that they wouldn't say about you behind your back. Now, nothing is wrong with honor and praise when it's deserved. But Proverbs 26, 28, a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it, and a flattering mouth works ruin. You're like, well, I just wanted to, I just wanted to flatter them, just wanted to help them out a little bit. Solomon says it works ruin. Psalm 55, 21, the words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Listen to me, friend. If somebody is buttering you up, you better ask yourself who the main course is. You know, we put Thanksgiving's coming up. We put butter on the turkey. Why? Because we're about to eat that rascal. All right. If somebody's buttering you up, you're probably the main course. The third representative lie is insinuation. You don't say it, you just imply it. I'll give you an example of lying by insinuation. You could leave here today and you could tell somebody, and this would be a truthful statement, I hope. All right? You could tell somebody, you know, Pastor Tom's a good preacher when he's sober. Now, if you think I'm a good preacher, then that's a truthful statement because I'm always sober, okay? But the insinuation is there are times when I'm not sober, and so that's a lie by insinuation. Even though everything you said was true, it's still a lie by insinuation. One of the most hurtful things said about Jesus was a lie of insinuation. Back there in John 8, Jesus is telling the Pharisees that, that they are of their father, the devil, says, you do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Now, you need to understand what they are insinuating. What they are saying in that statement is, yeah, we know your mama says that the Holy Spirit came upon her and the angel appeared to her and told her she was going to have a baby even though she'd never been with a man. But you and I both know that's not how it works, Jesus. And so what they are saying is, we know who our mama and daddy is. And you don't. You are the illegitimate child of Mary. That is lying by insinuation. Another form of lying is by silence. Some people just want to say that they are exclusionary detailers. 
Listen to this. The biggest lie about lying is that a lie of omission is not a lie. The biggest lie about lying is that a lie of omission is not a lie. Here's how we say that. Well, it's not a lie if they didn't ask about it. They didn't ask me, so it's not a lie. If, if a lack of information alters the outcome, friend, that's a lie. James 4 says, Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. And so if you know that somebody believes something that is not true and it's altering the outcome and you don't tell them the truth to fix that, you're not doing what you know is right and that's sin. Not speaking up when you know you should. Here's another form of lies, half-truths. Half-truths. Now, with a half-truth, everything you say is true, it's just not the whole truth. You say things that are true, but it's not the whole truth. Beer commercials are examples of half-truths. The Bible says sin is pleasurable for a moment. You can have beer and be happy for a while. But when's the last time on a beer commercial you saw some guy with a huge beer belly? Sitting on his lazy boy with a bag of Doritos drunk out of his head or laying in a gutter you don't see that everybody that everybody that you see on beer commercials are trim and fit and all having a good time that's a half truth when you're trim and fit you can drink beer you're not going to stay that way and you'll be happy for a moment because sin is pleasurable for a moment but when it wears off you're not happy anymore another those those weight loss commercials i lost 268 pounds by eating nutrigrain bars you ever notice what the fine print is? At the bottom of the commercial, next time you see one of those weight loss commercials, look at the fine print. It always has it there at the bottom. Here's what it says. Individual results may vary. Results not typical. Now, what they just said is fat chance losing 268 pounds on Nutrigrain bars. This guy did, but you really don't have that chance, but we want you to buy our product anyhow. Half-truths. A half-truth is a whole lie. You ask a teenager, where are you going? And they say, well, I'm going to so-and-so's house. Now, that may be true. But they know they're not staying at so-and-so's house. They're going somewhere else afterwards. That is a half-truth. If you don't tell them you're going somewhere else after that, that's, that's a half-truth and that's a lie. Let's talk about the results of lying. Three simple results. One, God is dishonored. When we lie, God is dishonored. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who, do, those who deal truthfully are his delight. Proverbs 6, 16 and following. Now I want you to pay attention here to what it says because something gets on the list twice. These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue hands that shed innocent blood a heart that devises wicked plans feet that are swift to running to evil a false witness who speaks lies that sounds a whole lot like number two a lying tongue and one who sows discord among the brethren lying made it twice there that god hates that the bible is littered with examples of how lies had consequences in people's lives adam and eve 
They lied. Were lied to, and then they lied. There were consequences. They were kicked out of the garden. They, they spiritually died that day, and now the clock began ticking towards their, their physical death as well. None of which was God's original plan, but it happened as a consequence to the lies. Go a little bit farther in Genesis chapter 12, verse 17. Now, this is an interesting passage to me because sometimes our lies have adverse consequences for those around us. Abram has lied to Pharaoh about Sarah, his wife. Pharaoh finds out. Genesis 12, 17, if you look it up, it says that God put plagues on Pharaoh's house because of Sarah. Now, on the one hand, you say, well, that seems unfair because he was a victim of a lie. He got lied too. The point is that sometimes our lies cause adverse consequences for those around us. Genesis 27, Jacob lies to his father about the birthright and he has constant war with Esau basically almost for the rest of his life. Mark 14, Peter is shamed because he lied about knowing Jesus. Romans 3.13 says that we all have lied at some point. Psalm 58.3 captures it real well. The wicked are estranged from the room. They go astray as soon as they are born, speaking lies. So God is dishonored. Second consequence, people are deceived. People are deceived. When the Bible was being written, lying could cost someone their life. It did Jesus. Lying today could still cost somebody their life. Let's say you're testifying in a capital murder case. And you lie about what you saw. That person may be convicted because of your lie, may end up on death row, and ultimately may be executed because of a lie people are deceived when we lie proverbs 26 28 a lying tongue hates those who are crushed by it ladies when you were getting married if you're married how important was truthfulness on your qualities that you were looking for i'm guessing if it wasn't number one it was really close to it I don't think there's many women who, who here would say, you know, as long as he loves me, I don't care if he tells me the truth or not. No, truthfulness is important. When we lie, God is dishonored, people are deceived, and the third thing, lives and witnesses are destroyed. Every problem in the world today is a consequence of lying. Now you say, hold on, preacher, that's a pretty broad statement. I mean, we've got all kinds of problems how can you say they're all a consequence of lying? Because all sin goes back to Genesis 3. When sin entered into the world, it was because of a lie that Satan told to Adam and Eve. And now we have sin, and so every horrible thing that's happening we have is a result of lying. It all began with lies. Let me talk to you about the remedy for lying, and we'll go home. Got to give you the good news. How do you overcome it? If you have a problem with half-truths or insinuations or building yourself up with exaggeration how do you fix it number one love the truth love the truth now how do you love the truth you have to get saved all right listen to second thessalonians 2:10. here it is all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved Jesus says, I am the truth. 
You have to love the one who is truth. You have to love Jesus. And the only people I know who love Jesus are the people who are redeemed. And so the first way you stop lying is to know that you're saved. Now, some of you would say, well, you know, Pastor, I got a problem because I do love the truth. I love Jesus, but I'm still having an issue with truthfulness. Well, that leads to the second thing. The second remedy for lying is to learn the truth. To learn the truth. And you learn the truth by immersing yourself in the Word of God. In the high priestly prayer, I believe it was John 17, verse 17, Jesus is praying to the Father, and he says, Thy Word is truth. Philippians 4, 8, Paul tells us, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think, on these things now where do you learn what's praiseworthy where do you learn what's true where do you learn uh, uh what is uh, worthy um where do you learn what is honest and just you learn it in the word of god so we have to love the truth by loving jesus we learn the truth by immersing our mind in the word of god and the third remedy is to live out the truth we have to live out what we know from the word to be true ephesians 4 25 therefore paul says putting away lying let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So we have to live the truth. There are those of you in the room this morning that Satan is lying to. And you believe him. He's saying things like, you know, yeah, you need to get saved. You just don't need to get saved right now. You got plenty of time. Take care of that later. Get saved next week, next year, 10 years from now. Just, just wait. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Paul says, Behold, today, now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. Today, if you are under conviction of the Holy Spirit, this is the day that you should be saved. But you're believing the lie. Oh, you got plenty of time. I don't know if I'll be here next week, much less you. You don't know if you're going to be here next week. We both may be in eternity. Don't believe the lie. Satan says, there's no hell. There is. Jesus said in Luke 12, fear him. He tells us not to fear the devil. He says, fear him who after he has taken the life can cast you into hell. That's the Lord God. The truth will set you free. Don't lie to God. Confess your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. Be saved or be restored today. Father, I pray that we would each allow your Holy Spirit to shine the spotlight on the scale of our life when it comes to truthfulness. God, I pray that we would examine our life and see if we are living the truth, if we are loving the truth, if we have learned the truth. God, for those today who need to be saved, I pray that they would not leave believing the lies of the enemy. Now, Lord, have your will, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.